You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Mike Lewis. I want to talk to you this morning about transitions. It's uh, something we all go through and life is just full of them. Uh, Some of them are longer than others. Some of them uh, last for days, some weeks, months, and some years. The issue is, though, that we make it through the transition. So let me put it in context for you in Scripture. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be uh, be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, you and I are on a journey to become Christ-like. And I want to show you a slide now and, and look at some of these transitions this way. How many of you have been in places you can remember right now and recall where you know you're not where you were, but you're not where you're going to be? So you were here, and uh, you, you're familiar with this. This is how you do life. You're really familiar with it. And that's what makes transitions sometimes so unnerving, is that you're so comfortable here, but you are not totally Christ-like yet. Anybody here got a little room to grow? And so the transitions are times where God is moving us from where we are and who we are somewhat, and we go and we find ourselves in this particular zone. We're not where we're going to be yet, but we're here in this Mandorla, this cat eye, and uh, God's working some things in our life. See, we have come through, how many of you have come through a transition and another transition, and you're moving your way to where you are right now, and you're not the person you were? Anybody here? But you're not the person you're going to be. And so God's not through with you yet. And so the goal is to make it through this. Now, if you jump up here, you'll see that eternity Did you notice in scripture here where it said that God knew his people in advance? So before we all hit this time space world we're in, in eternity, there is no time or space. It's a strange kind of concept, but there's not. And so now God worked his purposes out in advance. So he knows the beginning from the end. But now he has taken you and I, and now he drops down into a time space world And now he's working his will that he's already established, working it out here. And he uses these transitions, these in-between points to mold us and to shape us. And we don't need to get stuck there. By the way, let me give you a name of a book called Stuck. It's by Terry Whalen. And uh, if you want to go more in depth of this, go jump into that book. It's a great book. Um, So... Let's look at this from Jim Branch. So much of this life is lived in the in-between, between the new and not yet, between the arriving and the departing, between the growing up and the growing old, between questions and answers. And listen to this. Lord, help us not to live in a distant day when the in-between will be no more. But help us have the courage to step into that sacred space of the in-between, knowing that this is the place where life is transformed. William Bridge says this, 
Every transition begins with an ending. We have to let go of the old thing before we can pick up the new, not just outwardly, but inwardly. This transformation, friends, may have some outward stuff going on with it. But the larger piece of the puzzle is this inside thing that God is doing. What is normal is all these transitions. It can happen in relationships. It can happen at work. It can happen mentally. It can happen emotionally. It can happen spiritually. We go through all these transitions. We're not where we are, but we're not where we're going to be. Now, that is perfectly normal. What happens, though, is it becomes abnormal when you get stuck. Now this place that was designed for molding and shaping now becomes a prison. And now you find yourself not completing or not going through the entire journey to become. You're stuck. And the person that God determined in identity, I mean, in eternity, when he saw you and when he made you, he saw you go through the whole process and become the person that you were designed to be. But when you stop that journey somehow and you get stuck, now you stop transforming. And friend, that's unfortunately where some people find themselves. They go, it's like, it's like you go through 10 years of experience, but instead of one year growing, two years growing, now you got 10 years of growth. You go through the first year, the first year, and you go through the first year, the second year, first year, third year, and you stay with the same thing happening as you grow older, but you don't allow yourself to be transformed. So it's important that we, we understand this and we keep moving along with it. <clears throat> Let's look at the definition of a transition. A transition is an in-between period in life development as a Christ model. It's just in-between period. That's what it is. And what happens is this, this transition can help the change that's needed. It can, it can provide clarity. Sometimes you lose clarity in your life and you, just, you don't know what's next. You wonder what's next. You know there's more but you don't see it very clearly. You just know it, know it, and there's this longing, and you know it, but you can't see it clearly. Uh, this transition can deepen your values. It can give you more influence. Once you get through the transition, you may find yourself more effective than you've ever been before. Sometimes during a transition, God turns a spotlight on your heart and says, are you willing, are you willing are you willing to move? Are you willing to shift? Are you willing to change? What are you holding on to as your security? Because as, as much as God's doing that, how many of you know that we have an arch enemy? And he's trying to get in there too to allow not the plan of God to happen and your transformation to happen, but he's trying to get you stuck and are off course, chasing after something else. I know when Dean and I were in school, I'd finished I'd finish my bachelor's and, and we were praying and just seeking the Lord about what to do next. And so I thought, well, maybe I'd stay and go for my master's. You know, that might be a great idea. And so and we, as we were praying about that and trying to figure that one out, uh, ran across a job that Dean was offered. It's a perfect job for her. She was offered a job, had 250 townhouses, and they were going to redo the inside and redecorate them. And they were going to re-landscape. And they would let us stay there while that job was being completed. 
So we could live in one of the townhouses and she could oversee that being done and I could stay and we could go and get my master's. Sounds like a great plan, doesn't it? So we meet with the guys, they're, they're Jewish folks from New York, and we met with them and they told us all about it. And so we accepted. I said, oh, let's, let's do this. Yes. And the moment we did, the peace is gone. So we went home and we talked about it. We said, oh my goodness. So we called some friends of ours and told them the situation and there's some older folks and so asked for their wisdom and, and uh, I never forget their response. There's an old story in the Old Testament where a prophet goes and there's a, a pot, a stew. And the prophet says these words about that stew. He said, there's death in that pot. No, there's a poison. And, and so immediately they said back to us, they said, there's death in that pot. Well, what we did is we went and waited until the next day, called, they were getting ready to go back to New York and we asked them could we have some time with them. So we went and sat down with them and told them we would take the job because we gave my word we'd take it so we'd see it through completion. But what we'd rather do is because of this, because we were Christ followers and the moment we accepted the job, we lost our peace. And so that's where we are. So we would like not to take the job but we committed. They said back to us, they looked at both of us and they said, it's <clears throat> the very reason we hired you. What you're doing right now is the quality we saw in you. That's the reason we hired her. And so we can't keep y'all. No way we can do it. So they released us and we came back to South Carolina. Uh-huh, yay God. <clears throat> so he tries to get you off course. And so what I want to do now is let's look at the five stages of a transition and look at each one real quick as we move through this thing. Uh, if you can look here at this, as you, here's where you've been. You move into this now, this transition time. Again, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe years. But now, you, first of all, you have the entry phase. Let's look at that. The entry phase is a phase where you, you, you may start getting restless. I love how I heard this phrase years ago about Moses. When, when Moses, it said he had a holy discontentment. Oftentimes when God moves you in these places and he's going to move you internally or externally, he starts, he starts allowing this restlessness. Of course, that can move into things like self-doubt, like lack of motivation. You can't wonder about your confidence. And sometimes, and this is a tough one, sometimes when you're in these places, let me ask you how many of you have ever been here where you didn't sense the presence of God, either at all or it was not as strong. It was like you'd go pray and there's just nothing. You'd worship and there's nothing. And you're in this state of being. And of course, then you can, if you let yourself get into doubt and get into isolation, just a lot of stuff. And so, but now you're in this phase. Now, once you realize you're there and all these people, now you start the second thing, and that is you start evaluating. What in the world is going on? Where, where I was content, and now I'm not. You know, I thought, I was, I thought this was the place I had landed, and I'm going to stay here ever and a, forever and a day where I was. And now the Lord has decided that I'm not through with me yet, and I'm trying to get back to my circles. And there you go. And I'm staying where I'm staying, but the Lord decided I'm here. 
And I can't choose the timing. God's got you where he wants you. You're in this sacred place called a transition. It's a place of molding, of shaping, of examining your heart. He's got you right where he wants you. And you start, you start now evaluating. What is this I'm feeling? Where's my passion going? I feel a little restless. Anybody here ever started feeling alone? It's so interesting about these, these periods of transition. Oftentimes you just start feeling, hey, I'm by myself. You're not, but it feels like you're not. This isolation will cause that kind of stuff to happen. And so you just, you just, you feel it. <clears throat> what if I fail? What if whatever this is I'm in now, what if I don't get out of it? What if this is forever? Transitions will pass. Hear me? Transitions will pass. And then what starts to happen is the third phase. And the third phase is alignment. And that is the phase where, and, and, and most of the time, folks, most of the time this alignment is an internal thing. That God's trying to get at something inside of you. There's some place of alignment that he wants you to line up with. He wants you to surrender. I, I, I never forget, and y'all have heard this story about how Dean and I, it was just, logic was perfect. We had, we had about 30 people in Georgetown that wanted to start a church. We'd build a house down in Georgetown, you know, and now they want to start a church, and so it's perfect. I, had, I was doing counseling down there, so you know, even had a place I could sort of stay, you know, get some at least live while the church was being established. Then I get this phone call from Charleston. Simple words. Have you ever thought about starting a church in Charleston? And all of a sudden, totally gone. Change of plans. Internally, sell the house. Internally, align yourself with my will. Internally, alignment starts to... And it's, it is so much... Oftentimes, this transition and this alignment internally is so much about surrender. It's so much about a challenge from God. Will you do this? Will you do this? <clears throat> but Eddie said earlier, remind me of Dean. I've been in Pensacola. And we were going through one of those times financially. And uh, <clears throat> at the end of our budget, at the end of the week, we had like a dime left in our budget. So. That was just it. And uh, we got a check. Mom and dad had sent us a check. And I can't remember how much it was for. It's usually for $25 or $35 or something. And so we were in service. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to us by giving that check in the offering. And uh, I remember saying, okay, God, either you are or you're not. So we put it right in there. I was talking, talking to mom in the next few days. And she said, well, I'll send you another little piece of money. You know, I said, no, don't. I said, I'm in here studying about God. And I think I need to find out whether he's going to provide or not. And guess what? He always has. And he always will. He just happens to be God. <laughs> All right. So this inner work is being done. Then you get now you start having now once you start aligning, it's interesting because it's alignment brings revelation. And once your heart starts aligning itself and once you surrender and once God has, God's done the work in your heart he wants to do, now he starts showing you. 
And now something starts to happen and you start getting clarity. Now you start understanding better. Now the horizon looks a little different. You're still not sure, but clarity is starting to come now. And as it starts to come, now as this revelation happens, now God begins to unfold what this next looks like. This next thing that he has for you, the future, your sense of destiny, all of it starts to happen. You start to see it and understand it. And then the very last phase is now you converges happen. Now you converge into what God has and the new is there. It, it may be just internal. It could be external. It could be a job change. It could be relationship dynamics go through this as well. But the key is you want to keep it going. Keep it happening. Do not stop and stay, stay in a transition. It was never to be your home. It was to be to pass through in order to become, because you've got to become something in this transition period so that you can do what he has for you to do once you come through it. If this transformation ever happens, you never become the person who can do what he has for you to do. So he's got to have this change to happen for it to go through it. Now, <clears throat> let me just talk to you for a second. I want, I want to change moods for a moment. <clears throat> uh, did that make sense to everybody? Yes. All right. Now, having said that, let me call a timeout and let me ask your permission online and in here. Could I now talk about some transitions that's happening right here? Hello. Hello. <laughs> <clears throat> happening here at home, and let's just turn this into a family meeting for a moment, okay? Deal? Yeah, yeah. Right, if you hadn't, if you're new, you don't know what a family meeting is, just ask them on the way out. What do you mean, family meeting? Huh? <laughs> um, we've been transitioning as a church for the last three years. This is the fourth year into a transition that we've been into. You've seen it. You wondered what it is. You've, you've watched it happening and you kind of had an idea, but you, you had some clarity, but not total clarity. And so the board has been meeting now for about, I don't know, probably four years. And we actually implemented a plan, a plan of succession, because the question was, oh Mike, at some point you're gonna have to find somebody to take over your spot. I mean, they've got, there's no success without a successor. And so when is that gonna happen and what does that look like? Uh, and they were often, they were seemed pleased to make sure that I knew that I'd be turning 70 this year. <laughs> I don't know why that was thought that was important, but anyway. <clears throat> so what we did is we came up with this succession plan and the plan would just start the moving and start taking my, my responsibility in the role as senior pastor and particularly with Dave and particularly with Luke and backing out and giving them responsibility. You've seen it in the preaching on the stage. I mean, how many of you have seen the transition? Let me see your hand. Make sure I'm not talking. Okay. Yeah. You've seen it happen. That's why. And one of the reasons that the, the trustee board set it up that way is because part of our belief system is that a, a gift will make a way for itself. That's what the proverb says. So either you got the gift or you don't. You know? And when the gift is there, then it makes a way for itself. So have enough time until there can be a confirmation this is right and or if it's not, shut it down. So we could go through this thing and if it did not work out and if we, you know, Dave was preaching and said, oh, that's, that's, that's not anointed. That's not good. That's just not good preaching. The boy can't teach. 
<laughs> Our Meg was speaking. We got, she just told poor gal just don't got it. She's just so dead. You know, she just don't have energy. Or, and then what we'd do is we'd pull the plug and shut it down and y'all would never know anything about it. I'll probably tell you, but in, in, anyway, but that, that's the deal. So what you do is you create, the Bible says don't lay hands on anybody. It's talking about leadership, putting people in place quickly. And so the trustees thought was give this enough time until it can be verified. So what I've done is we've talked about the preaching on weekends. I've turned over the staff management. I've turned over the business into the church, the management of daily affairs. Just let them have it all and just watch them. And they just have done outstanding. And so <clears throat> the decision of the trustees is that um, David Macy, Luke Meg, would at the end of this year become the lead pastors of Cathedral. So. Now, I, I'm going to ask Bob Wyatt, uh, who's a good friend of mine and been a, was a pastor here at the church for, I don't know, I think you said 22 years, Bob. And uh, so many of you know Bob and been through the years. Now, what's interesting about Bob is Bob was over me before I came to Cathedral. He was an elder at Forest Drive Baptist Church and uh, as I was a pastor. And so he was a part of the elder board. When we came to start this church, now, this is, this is just a gift to me, and it's a gift to you. The Lord moved on, on Pat and Bob's heart to come. He was working at NCR to take an early retirement, of which he did. And he came here and was on staff of this church and helped Cathedral for 22 years. Yeah. <clears throat> now, Bob also serves on our trustee board and has from day one. In the incorporation of cathedral, he was on the trustee. So he's had, he's had the privilege of seeing the inside scoop of what we've been talking about and trying to do. He's also a part of the congregation, so he sits right here and he watches whether we're doing it or not. <laughs> so, tell us, Bob, talk to us about this, this board thing and where we were as, as trustees and what you've seen play out here with these guys. About uh, 86, right? Mm -hmm. 87 started. That's the church started, but the Yo, board started in 86. Board started in 86, you're right. So we've been, Mike and I have been if working. If there's ever a question about who's writing the minimum dates or numbers, yeah. Bob is. I can just tell you that ahead of time. Mike always said, one of the things I learned about you, Bob, is you think in outline form. <laughs> so he's the one that would say, read this book and give me an outline of it. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, in 86, Mike came to me and said, I would like to have a businessman on my trustee board. Would you be a trustee? And that's where it all started. So uh, we've got 37 years 37 going here years. together. But of course, we worked in that church together for about four. So I should say we ought to know each other pretty well. Yeah, about 40 years together, working together. And that was before Macy was even born. Yes. Wow. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> So I've known Macy all of her life, all of her life, and uh, I remember when Dean was pregnant with her, so uh, it goes way back, and, and I, we figured out, I think, that Megan, I knew Megan since she was two. They, uh, 
we've started to work on the church in the church together when she was two years old so I've known both of them for a long time and of course I've gotten acquainted with Luke and David being on staff for 22 years uh, we've worked together and I, I'd like to get uh, some feedback on how they think I did but uh, you know I transitioned out about uh, six years ago myself I mm -hmm. did a transition on staff I took a retirement and you know you can retire from a position in a church doesn't remain doesn't mean you retire from the Lord Amen. or for doing what God wants you to do you just transition into a new phase mm -hmm. of what God wants you to do so that's what I did myself uh, six years ago so we're in another transition phase uh, when the guy gets 70 you start thinking about here we go here we go you know, how much has he got left in him? <laughs> of course, I'm 82, so I feel I think I still got a little bit left in there me. There you go. <laughs> I always remember because Mike and I say, uh, share the same month as a birthday, so he's exactly 13 years younger than I am. So he's got a lot of good years uh, ahead of him. And there you go. So, we're uh, doing a transition thing here, but the, the important thing is, is not that Mike is transitioning out, as he, as he will explain a little bit. He's not leaving. He's not transitioning out. We've got four folks over here transitioning in. And yes. And I kind of thought about this as a setup. This whole thing, this Lewis family thing is a setup. If you didn't know that, I just wanted to let you know, because I may never get this microphone again. So this is a setup, but God set it up. God set it up. I believe that with all my heart. And uh, knowing them and working with them and uh, knowing we did a lot of discussion in trustees meetings about transition the trustees kind of, if we do a, a, a purchase of land or sell land, uh, financial stuff, the trustees get involved with the big stuff. And so we've met together, we've talked about this, he already mentioned the transition for about three years about how to transition these guys into the ministry. And let me tell you what, I, I know all four of them. And they have, just like Romans 12 says that we're one body, but we're all different. We have different gifts. We have different anointings. We have different callings. And they together, this is the thing that blows me away, they have the gifts that God has given each one of them separately. But you put those together and you've got a powerful leadership team. So to me, transition is a bringing together of all of these talents and seeing what God's going to do in the next phase. Mm -hmm. It's not that Mike's got a new phase coming. I think Cathedral has a new phase coming. Yeah, well, and with these it. guys in charge and with their giftings and with their anointings, uh, you're going to see some great things happening. And the trustees are behind this whole thing 100%. And they trust these four, 
and we thank the Lord for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. All right. Um, most of you know that when you receive Christ and you put in the family, and we do believe the church is a family, that then as a part of that family, uh, you have spiritual moms, dads, aunts, uncles, brothers and sisters. You know, you're part of that body. And what I've had the privilege to do is to take these guys, particularly Luke and Dave, and David started his first job when he was 14 here working in the grounds. I think he may slip over to the house to see if he can see Macy too. But anyway, <laughs> he was working on the grounds crew. Matter of fact, I think he got written up one time for not having safety glasses on. Only once. Only once. <laughs> so that's been 22 years ago. Luke has been here on staff along with Meg for the last 18 years. So when you talk about the... Paul, Paul had people that he called his sons in the faith. Paul wrote and he says to Timothy, he says, you're my son in the faith. And we know that he, Paul wasn't married and he didn't have any physical sons. But yet spiritually he had a son that he could pour into his name was Timothy. He writes again, he said, this one guy named Onesimus in scripture. You're my son. And so what's happened is, is we've had a chance to pour into these guys for that many years. Now why is that important? It's important because when God said, we have our anniversary 35 years in September, it'd be 35 years. And when God said, if you keep your hands off this thing, I will build my church. He's still building that church. And it's still his will, his way. And so um, it's just the way it's the pattern is done. Paul raised up Timothy's. Uh, Moses rose up jo Joshua. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 34. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses, laid his hands on him. There is an impartation of laying on hands. And we'll have that service sometime at the end of the year, possibly we even thought about having it at the 35th anniversary, where we set them in, lay hands on them, and pray and bless them and set them in. But it's more than laying on of hands. It's how he trained Joshua. It's how Joshua was his, his son in the faith and how he poured into him. And so now the vision of cathedral, I don't, I don't know who would know it any better. The values of cathedral, I don't know who would know it any better. And so I think with that leadership team, I think you guys are in for a wonderful, wonderful run. I'll say more about that. Mike, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, for this next year, I'll still be senior pastor here and we'll see. If they don't do good, then I may be a senior pastor for another few years. Um, but this year I'll still be senior pastor. We'll have that service and set them in at the end of the year. I'll still serve here on the, as president on the school board. I'll continue to serve on the trustee board for the church. I'll give oversight to the uh, lead pastors as they need it. And uh, I've taken a year uh, to be trained for certification for be a life coach whatever that is. And, and in all seriousness, hopefully there'll be some pastors that'll be able to help us a little younger. Like I pour some time in some pastors, 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 husbands and wives. And, uh, and of course, what I didn't plan was last year Dean having a heart attack. And so that makes you, that really awakens you if you hadn't been through something like that with just 
how short life really is. And so I told, um, I used to tell the kids when we would go on a date, I'd take Dean on a date. I said, where are you going, Dad? I said, well, I'm going to nibble on your mother's ear. <laughs> so all I'm saying to you is I'm going to do a lot more nibbling on her ear. <clears throat> Feel free to tell your friends that a 70-year-old pastor said, <laughs> he wants to nibble on his wife's ear. Okay. But let me tell you how it's supposed to work. And I'm going to show you this diagram because it, it may help you as well. It's a diagram of a ladder. And uh, it's set on, on one side of the ladder, the rail, it says calling, contribution, and convergence. And that is the being side of the ladder. The doing side, which is the other side, is your ministry formation. It's what you do. If it's ministry, it may, not be, a, it may be your job, but it's what you actually do. More people are more conscious in what they do than who they're becoming. Now what's supposed to happen in life as you move through these years, 20 and 30s, is that you discover more of your calling, more of your gifting. And I'm very serious when I said that we, we wanted to make a way, we wanted to give opportunity for their gifts to be known and either verified or not verified. We just need it to happen. But your gifts, you start discovering who you are. And then you start understanding that, that who you are is, brings a contribution. It's what you're doing, but it's gradually becoming more of who you are, who you're becoming. Because you minister out of who you are. The doing side ends up oftentimes end up being the shadow lane if you just keep the doing and don't take the developmental track. But as you take this developmental track, and finally in your 60s, or in this case, 60s, 70s, convergence happens, and that is that now what I really worked hard for comes easier. Now when I sit down for a session, I don't prepare. Now it takes me shorter time to get a message together. Why? Because all these years, it's just naturally who I am. That's the reason, you know, I sit down on a plane, you know, I just stay quiet because what's going to happen, next thing you know, she's going to be telling me all that's going on in her life. It just happens. And I don't, I, and then what do I do? I just be. So the way this is supposed to work at this stage of life is that I, I just flow instead of having to pump. Does that make sense to you? Flow, baby. Don't pump. You don't have to work at this, this hard. At this phase, you just be. Um, <clears throat> so Mike, what do you see for the future? Oh, by the way, let me say this. <clears throat> Dean and I aren't going anywhere. Y'all stuck with us. <laughs> Y'all stuck with us, and our plans are to stay right here. Well, I won't tell you what the end is going to be, but you can imagine what it's going to be. But we're going to be right here. And uh, we're going to be a part of this next move. We are going to be the granddads and grandmoms in the house. And we love us and grandbabies. So our role would be that, so to speak. And some people I know don't like to be called that. We do. And so I have nothing more grander than a granddaddy. You know? And so anyway, we're just proud. So we're not going anyway. And uh, what I see for the future is I see a relaunch. I remember the excitement in those early days. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, crazy. 
incredible move of God. We just, we, it just, I see the same thing happening. I see a whole new revival happening. Now, if you add that to what's supposed to happen in the last days of which we are in, a huge revival is a part of that whole last day stuff. And all this stuff you're seeing going on around, you know, don't lose heart because there is a revival in the midst of all this. And it's come forth and it's coming right here. And I'm going to be a part of it along with you guys. Along with you guys. So I want to ask if you would, I want to ask Dave and Macy and Meg and Luke if they would come up, Dean come up with us. And, uh, and for this next, for this year, that this is going to be this last year of this transition, and then we'll lay hands and set them in. But this, I want to just pray over them if I could. Uh, pray over them that they'll make it through the year. <laughs> All right, Father, thank you for your wisdom and for your, your plan. I mean, who knew except you? 35 years ago, when Dean and I were just about their age, and you, you led us to start this church. Our two little girls had no idea that part of your providence would bring the right men with the right giftings and the right callings, and that you would be standing here today. But I thank you just as you led us in those early days. We stand here so totally convinced that this is your hand. And we're totally convinced about the move of God that we're in for. I pray you'd keep your hand on them. And may they serve your people and serve them well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs> No, you want to say something? Well, y'all, I, I am excited because there is nothing more exciting besides having your own children than having your grandchildren. So I, I'm looking forward to celebrating all that God is going to do in this coming time. I'm glad we're going to get to be here and be a part, be the cheerleaders, the grandparents. I'm, I, I'm just excited. I can't wait to have my ears nibbled on more. It's just be good. <laughs> you know, we got to slow this train down. This is our 48th year. Two more years, we'll hit our 50th. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. Now, we're going to, you want to say something else? No. We're gonna, <laughs> you can come back up with me. <laughs> we're going to sing a song before we go. And this song is Do It Again. And what we're asking them is not to do over what happened in the early days again, but by that same spirit that moved in those early days, that he'd bring a fresh, whole new movement and revival to this place. We're asking for it and believing for it in Jesus' name. Would you say amen? amen. Let's stand and worship if you would. Ask me if you would, uh, Mike, what's the biggest mistake you've seen pastors make over your lifetime? Thank you for asking. Two things, if they're there for a long time, I'm talking you know, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is, and they're there for that long, then at the transition to the end, they stay too long. That's the biggest mistake I've seen. Now, the other mistake I've seen is they fail to raise up somebody who can understand the house and take the vision to the next generation. 
So I just so thank God for not making those two mistakes. Amen. Okay? Amen. So now, what I'm going to ask you is this. I'm going to ask you as a congregation. If you would give these guys, if you would give them the same love and honor you've given us, I want to tell you, you have a happy pastor and his wife. Y'all have been wonderful to us. And, uh, and it's just, y'all have been so easy to love. And so we're asking if you would just, just give them a chance, just like you gave us 35 years ago. Been there for us, supported us, encouraged us. Do it for them. Be as faithful to them as you, and loyal as you were to Dean and I. And I'm convinced that you as a congregation, I'm convinced you're in for the ride of your life. Welcome to what God's up to. Lord bless you and Lord keep you. Lord cause his face to shine upon you and I bless you as you go in Jesus name, amen. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.